Super Bowl, apparently, according to Sean's announcements. It's the Super Bowl today, and we're rooting for the Chiefs, is it? Chiefs, yeah? Yeah? Why not, right? That sounds good. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Who's, who's, uh, is, who's doing the, uh, what's that called, the halftime show? Anybody know? Both of them? Is, is she still Jenny from the block? Not anymore, huh? She'll always be Jenny from the block to me. I do have one thing in common with Shakira. My hips also do not lie, so there's that. Don't ask me to do my Shakira impression. I'm not, I'm not going to do it for you today. It's not happening. Don't even bother asking. What are we doing here today? We are in the middle. We don't record any of this, do we? We are in the middle of a message series called Reset, and we are preparing to move on out of this theater and move into our new headquarters uh, just over yonder. And so we're using this season that we're in right now to evaluate ourselves, do some self-assessment as a church, and look at what are some things that we can approve, what are some things that we need to add, or is there some things that we need to subtract, because we want to be the best that we can be. We just do, right? And that's our goal as a church, is to get as close as we can toward that ideal. What was Jesus talking about? What was Christ's intention when he created this whole thing called church? We want to work toward that ideal. So let's use this season that we're in right now to reset ourselves so we're ready for what's next. And so that, that first Sunday that we move in, we're moving in April, so we have this season now to really do this kind of work. And so as we started this series, the first two messages in this series are really about consumerism and how the culture that we live in is so consumer-focused and consumer-driven, and we have just consumer mentality and consumer expectations, and some of those consumer expectations have made their way into how so many of us Christians think about church. I mean, so many of us Christians, we think about you know, church shopping, and you show up at a church, and you want them to have certain things, and we expect certain things, and that just kind of makes sense, especially those of us who have never been a part of something new like this. I mean, we're, we're less than 10 years old. That's like a drop in the bucket compared to all these churches around here. And for so many of us, Hope was the first church that we showed up and where it wasn't a fully formed product. It wasn't a fully baked product. And that's just a new experience. And so we walk in and we have these expectations. And I address the fact that a lot of these church planting books that I had to read over, over the course of my studies in school, they all pointed toward the same things. You need to have certain things for the people when they show up on a Sunday morning. You need to meet certain expectations. And I wonder why. What if the expectations that people have, what if they're not reasonable? What if the expectations have, what if the expectations that Christians have are not healthy? If we as a church start catering towards unreasonable and unhealthy expectations, what kind of a church will we become given 10, 20, 30, 40 years? And so we're not, as a church, we're not in the business of of giving people what they expect. We're in the business of giving people what they need. We need to look no further than the example of Jesus Christ to see that. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the expected, the anticipated Savior enters into the world and there were expectations for this Savior, that he would save the Israelites from Roman oppression, that he would reclaim the glory of the nation of Israel, that he would cleanse the the temple system and the religious system of corruption. And Jesus entered into that world and he's like, no, I'm I'm not here to do that. He did the unexpected. He's like, you're expecting me to do this, I'm here to do this. You're expecting me to, to save you all from mom, I'm here to save humankind from sin. Boom. Wow, defies expectations. I want you to hold on to that idea, how important it is for us as Christians to to do the unexpected. There's a value in that. 
And so again, it's not our job as a church to, to, to really meet people's expectations, especially if those expectations are not reasonable or just not healthy. It's our job to give people what they need. And what we all need, whether we realize it or not, is we need a Messiah, we need a Savior, we need Jesus. That's our responsibility. And so last week we talked about clarity and how important it is for us to have clarity as a church. And if you want to have clarity as a church, you need to know what you're about. You need to know the mission. You need to know the objective. We have been given a very specific mission by Jesus, the one who created this whole thing called church. We have been given this mission. We've been given this task. And so we need to really understand what this is if we're going to have a shot at fulfilling the mission. If we're going to have a shot at accomplishing our goal, we need to know the goal, don't we? That's just how it is. And there is this big danger that exists within the world of church where so many of us, we get lost and we get a little bit fuzzy about what the goal is. And if we don't know what our goal is as a church, we just start mimicking behavior that we've seen in other Christians and other churches. We just start mimicking this stuff. Instead of creating strategies to help us reach our goal, we just start mimicking what we've seen in other churches, right? Well, the church I grew up in, we did a spaghetti dinner, so let's do that. Or this church over here, they're doing a clothing drive, so let's do that. Well, this church over here, they do a car wish, so let's do that. Well, this church has a preschool, so I think that's what church... Wait, 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 wait. We're just mimicking what we've seen other churches do. That's not, that's not the way to go about it. Instead, we need to know what our goal is, clearly understand our goal, and then create strategies that'll help us reach that goal and accomplish that goal. Doesn't that make sense? I know it's easier said than done. I know that. I know that. But we're working toward that ideal, Right? We're working toward that idea. So let's know what the goal is. And so last week we spent our time talking about what that goal is, what that mission is. And in a word, our goal, our mission is discipleship, which is clear, but not easy. <laughs> the goal of discipleship involves sharing the gospel message with other people. That's what gospel, I mean, that's part of it. It's not all of it, but it's a big part of it. It's a key component is sharing the truth about God and his love for us, sharing the reality that God entered into this world as the form of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the Son of God there with us, and that he died on the cross for our sins, and that in that sacrifice and in his resurrection, we can receive forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. That's the gospel message. That's a part of making disciples is to share that, but that's not the whole thing. Jesus specified we're to go into this world and make disciples and to teach people everything, to obey everything that he commanded. And so there's the gospel, but then there's a way of life. And those two things seem separate, but they're interrelated. And we need all of that. Discipleship is all of that. Sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, teaching people to obey everything that Jesus commanded, teaching people to understand that God, that Jesus the whole package, the Trinity, that God is on our side and they've given us a way to live. They've given us commandments to obey for our own good and for our own benefits. That's big. It would be a whole lot easier just to make converts, but that's not our goal. <laughs> It'd be a whole lot easier just to teach people the Bible, but our goal is bigger than that. Discipleship is bigger than all of that. And that's what we need to be about. And we need to have clarity. Okay, we're not supposed to be about all these other things that can become distractions to us. We need to know what the ultimate goal is and hold on to that because it can be so easy for us to forget. That brings us to today. Today we're talking about the idea of keeping things simple. Keeping things simple. And when I say simple, I don't necessarily mean easy. I mean simplistic, 
simplistic. We have, in our own human nature, a tendency to overcomplicate things that are pretty simple, pretty easy. In fact, if you look around at all the different, I mean, Ridley Park alone, look at all the different churches that exist within Ridley Park. You get one of these, one of those, and you got some. Do we have any Lutherans? I know we've got some Presbyterians, and there's a some Baptists, there's some Catholics, there's some Methodists, and you just go around. It's like, why do we, from an outsider's perspective, why do we have all of these different denominations? Well, it's our very efforts to try and make things clear that we ended up overcomplicating things, right? Groups of Christians gather together, they try to separate themselves from other people. Well, here's what we believe, and we're trying to make it clear what we believe. And in so doing, you ended up making things a whole lot more complicated for outsiders, right? It's just what we've done. We're human. We've made mistakes. That's just it. And so we want to keep things as simple as possible because I tell you something about simplicity. It's attractive. (laughs) We're drawn to that, right? Think about how complicated life can become. And if you could just like, is there a simpler way to do this? Is there a simpler approach? Does it have to be so complicated? Simplicity is attractive. Last week I told you a story about one of my experiences at at my last church in an event that was... uh, that started kind of small and became a lot bigger. I've got another story for you. Okay? I've got lots of stories, right? So when I was at this last church, somebody approached me with another outreach idea. Okay? An outreach idea is something we could do in the community. And um, outreach events, you know, they, I, 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 I said this last week, I'm not against them, but <laughs> they need to have some, we need to have some parameters around them. We need to know what we're doing. We need to be clear about our goal make sure this is going to help us work toward discipleship. But anyway, somebody approached me with an idea for an outreach event. They said, hey, Josh, how about we put on a trunk or treat? Have you heard of trunk or treats? All right. This was like, I don't know, 10 years ago? And they were new. And I'm like, what is a trunk or treat? Because it sounds horrible, right? It sounds like you put a kid in your trunk and you go around trick or treating with them, something like that. I'm like, what is this? And so it was explained to me. It's basically, you know what it is, right? People can't gather. You find a parking lot somewhere. If your church has a parking lot, so much the better. And people, families, they kind of decorate their trunks, right? And you wear some costumes, and then you invite people to show up on your church's property, and the kids get candy. They go around to different trunks, bada-bing, bada-boom, and they get candy, right? Great. I liked this idea. I love it. I liked this idea, right? Now, there's things I understand now that I didn't know then. Like, nobody was asking the question, well, hey, is this event, is this, is, you know, is this going to help us get towards the goal of discipleship? No one was asking that very important question. Regardless, there were a couple things that I did like about this idea. One is that seems kind of fun, right? Seems kind of fun. You know, people, some people like doing the thing of decorating their cars. And some people like wearing costumes and getting all dressed up and coming up with a theme. Some people like that. I mean, not me. I don't like costumes. I'm like an adult, right? <laughs> but some people enjoy that. And I figure, well, this is, this, is, this, is, you know, this is fun. People will like this. Here's the big thing I liked about it. Oh, this is simple. Ugh. From an organizational perspective, from an administrative perspective, this is simple. You put a call out there, who wants to do this? You get a few volunteers, you tell them where to park. Done. I got it. I can do that in an afternoon, right? It's easy. Easy. It's so simple. And so you put the call out, and that's what happened. And then the tag-on started. There's always the tag-ons, right? And so I was approached with that idea. This is very simple. We'll get some volunteers. You, you wear a costume, decorate your truck. I said, whoa, whoa, how, whoa, how about while we have people on the property, <laughs> what, if we, <laughs> what if we also do a snack bar? Okay, fine, we'll do a snack bar. And all these, things, all these little things sound fun. Well, how about more than a snack bar? In addition to a snack bar, let's also do like a dinner. Let's do hot dogs. And people will come out, you buy a hot dog, and you've got your snacks, and you do that. Well, let's also do some live music. 
Let's see if we can get a band together and do all this stuff. Now, you might be listening thinking, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. But what if it was your job to plan it all, right? <laughs> yeah, that may sound like a lot of fun, but is any of that really necessary? And you got to get new volunteers and this. So I said yes to the snack bar. I said yes to the hot dogs. I said no to the band. I put my foot down. I said, I'll put some speakers out. We'll play some music. It's too much. But it got overly complicated. Simplicity. This is real, like, in-house church stuff, just so you know this, all right? When you're planning some kind of a ministry or an event or a program, if we can just err on the side of simplicity, so much the better. Here's one reason why. It makes it easier for people to say yes to volunteering. I know what I'm signing up for. I know it's not a lifelong thing, and if I sign up to do this, I'm committed to do something. And you know, it's simple. I'm, it's a small ask, right? And people are more inclined to say, if you're trying to recruit volunteers from inside of your church, it's so much easier. It's just this. Wear a costume, give out candy. Okay, it's just a smaller ask is better, right? And there are times when you need to ask for something bigger, but, but kind of do that sparingly, right? And so from a volunteer perspective, just trying to recruit volunteers, the more simple something is, the more likely you are to get a yes. But then, more importantly, from an outsider's perspective, if we present something simple to outsiders, people who aren't part of the church, people who aren't part of Christianity, that simple is more attractive than something complicated. I want to know, what am I saying yes to? I want to know, what am I bringing my family to? What is this event that this church is hosting? It's a trunk or treat. You mean I just have to show up and walk my kids around, and there's not going to be snacks that they're going to ask me for? There's not going to buy dinner there that I have to pay for, and the price is an unknown thing? It's not comp. You know what I mean? I want to know. Give me something simple. What kind of a time commitment is this? I show up with my family, and I walk around some cars 20 minutes in and out. Okay, I can do that. So from an insider's perspective, trying to recruit volunteers and all that, it just makes sense to keep it simple. And from an outsider's perspective, simplicity and whatever we do is just more attractive. You're more likely to get that yes if we keep it simple. That's, that's all there is to it. You're more likely to get that yes. Take a look at this scripture passage that's in your bulletin. Now listen, you spend enough time in a church setting, you're going to read about this. It's just this strange little thing that happens. It's like, it's not a big teaching. It's not a parable. It's just something that happened, all right? So there's Jesus, he's with his disciples, and Jesus, he has this relationship, this friendship with this trio of siblings, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and we learn that Lazarus, he is some kind of um, known citizen in his community, probably holds some kind of political office, we're not exactly sure. We know that they had a bit of money. It's speculated that this trio of siblings may have even helped contribute, have give financial support to Jesus and his disciples. That's not stated in Scripture explicitly, but it's wondered maybe since they had money and there was Jesus and his disciples and they're there at the house. Anyway, Jesus stops by the house, and on this occasion, I don't know where Lazarus is, but the two sisters, Mary and Martha, are there, and the disciples are there. And so Mary, as the Scripture tells us, she sits by the feet of Jesus, just listening to him, just listening and Martha, she is consumed by doing other things, right? What is she doing? She's probably gathering some food, maybe making some snacks, a little tea out, little cookies, maybe trying to make a big meal, maybe trying to clean up after the mess. You got, you know, 12 dudes show up at your house, plus Jesus. You're like, what am I going to do here? I don't know. She's hosting. There's nothing. There's not a thing wrong with giving your guests snacks, is there? There's not a thing wrong with playing host and making sure all those bases are covered. Absolutely not. None of those things are wrong trying to prepare a meal or something for Jesus. That's a great, that's a wonderful thing. But all these wonderful things, all these good things can become a distraction. 
And so Martha, this is classic sibling stuff. I mean, I'm watching a trio of siblings grow up in our household and the tattletaling and the jealousy and all this. And so Martha's like, hey, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm doing everything here. And Mary's just sitting there. It's like, really, going to bring that to Jesus? <laughs> That's... <laughs> I mean, I probably would too. It's like, my brother's not doing anything. <laughs> so I bring the issue to Jesus, and Martha gets, she gets, I don't know, it sounds harsh, she gets put in her place. It's like, Martha, you're worried about all this other stuff that's really not as important. Mary has chosen what's better. Mary has chosen the best thing. What does Jesus actually say? You're worried about many things, but only, you're upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Only one. And Mary chose to engage in the one thing that really mattered, to sit there. Okay, there's a little bit of mess over there on the table. There's some dishes in the sink. All right, somebody's hungry. I hear some bellies grumbling, whatever. I'm going to tune, you know, uh, tune all that out and just sit and listen to Jesus. That's what mattered. That was enough. There's a saying that I have found myself repeating a whole lot. Good is the enemy of great. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? And as that relates to church and to ministry, goodness gracious, you look at all the good things that churches can do. There are no shortage of ideas. Here's a service project we could do. Here's a program we could launch. Here are some small groups we can do. Here's some ideas that we can incorporate into worship. There's so many good, good things. Here's a charity we, should, we could support. Here's some missionaries that we could support. There is no shortage of good, so many good things. But good is the enemy of great and our challenge, again, working toward the ideal of what a church is supposed to be, our challenge is not to ask the question, well, what could we do as a church? You could ask that question. You'll be inundated with ideas. What could we do as a church? That's not the question. The question is, what must we do? What must we do? Having clarity, knowing that the mission is discipleship, knowing that that's the goal. What is it that we must do? And we build whatever it is, programming, ministries, events, around that goal. What must we do that's going to help us get closer to that goal? What must we do? Let me give you an example of simplicity and how all this works. Because here's the thing. When churches start, they usually start small, right? And when churches are small and there's a few group of people, there's a small group of people, it's easy to keep things simple. The bigger a church becomes, the more challenging it is to keep things simple. And the more intentional we all have to be to keep things simple and to keep them attractive. That's just how it is, right? The bigger things get, the more difficult it is to keep things simple. Here's a wonderful example. How many of you participated in our leaf raking service project this past fall, right? A bunch of you did that. Let me tell you, here's a fun little origin story of how that started, right? Once upon a time, we were a church of, I don't know, 15 people, right? And so we had this idea, let's do a service project. It'll be so simple. We'll find some people that need their leaves raked, and we'll go rake their leaves, right? The first time we ever did that, we didn't meet in this theater. We just met at my house. So let's just meet at my house. We'll get some rakes, and we'll go. Bada bing, bada boom. How simple is that? How simple is that? And we did it on a Sunday morning. You know why? Because our people, that small group, some of you were around back then, that small group of people, we had already carved out that time on Sunday morning anyway. 
So he said, this is so simple. We've got people committed to do this anyway. Show up at my house. Maybe we'll have some cocoa. Who knows what will happen? Hey, let's just make it happen. And we just went out and raked leaves. Done. Done. And then we got a little bit bigger as a church. <laughs> and then we started to have people show up on Sunday mornings on this leaf raking day. And we're like, well, we have to do it. And this is, this is 100%, 110% Josh Schaefer's fault, okay? You're welcome. I've made a few mistakes along the way. All right, more than a few, all right? It's like, well, okay, let's see if we can juggle both things here, right? So if visitors come in on that Sunday morning, let's give them an abbreviated worship service, right? And then we'll go do the leaf raking thing. Okay, well, how's that going to work? I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And so we start by doing that. And so Sean was up here with his guitar and a little amp. He's like, we're not going to set up the whole sound system. And we're not going to record it. Let's just do a little tiny abbreviated thing. And then it got bigger than that. It's like, well, more people are showing up, so we really need our big sound system. And so let's. So that abbreviated worship service came more and more like an actual worship service. And then the more people we have, the more it is to organize and try and figure out, poor Rosemary, poor Rosemary, right? I just like, hey, you want to figure this out for me, right? It's <laughs> one of the things about being a pastor. You can come up with these ideas and just say, can somebody else figure this out? No, it doesn't work like that. It shouldn't work like that. So the more people you have that want to participate, the more difficult it is to organize. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And has anybody ever thought of having a rain date in mind? Oh, no, I guess we should have that, all right? So this is just a simple example of how something simple can become more complicated. And maybe you thought, oh, it worked great, it worked great. We can do it more simply. Is that an English sentence? I don't know. We can do this simpler. That doesn't sound right either. We can find a more simple way to do it. Off, is that it? I think I found it. We can find a more simplistic way to do this. And so next year, we're going to do it differently. We've got some ideas, and we'll continue to talk about it. We're going to do it differently so that's even more simple and easier for you to say yes to. You know what you're committing to in advance. That's what we're going to do. Stuff like that. Let me remind us all of why we're talking about this. There's so many ideas that have bubbled to the surface over the past several months. Wait a minute. We have access to a property 24-7. Wait a minute. Think of all the things that we could start. Let me tell you, as your pastor, I love it. Oh, bring the ideas. Bring them by the bucketful. I want to hear them all. Yes, yes, ideas, 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 ideas. But we can't do them all. And we shouldn't do them all. And we can't say yes to everything. And so, with all of your ideas, have them, have them, have them. But think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this just something I want to do because it would be fun? Hey, I'm not, I'm not against fun, right? We're having a game night. <laughs> all night, apparently. I didn't realize that. I like game nights. There's a point to game nights. There's a point to getting to know the other people in your church so that they're not strangers when you need to rely on them for help and support. There's a point to that. And that falls directly in line with discipleship. Fun has its place, right? We laugh here. We have some fun. I did my little nonsense stuff, right? Fun has a place in the life of church and on the road to discipleship. It does. It does. But this is the question that I'm, I'm asking you, the I who are my idea havers? <laughs> There's a lot of you out there. I'm, I'm looking at one. Think of, is, this, is there a simple way to do this? Is this more complicated than it needs to be? Is this too great a burden to put on our own people? Is this going to help us reach that goal toward discipleship? Is this, if this is an outreach thing, are people actually going to want to be participate in this? Or is this just something that we want to do because it's fun? Fun has its place, but just doing something for the sake of fun. Listen, there are things that I, I've always wanted to do a talent show. I'm like, why? I don't know. 
Is there really a purpose for that? Is that going to help? Maybe, and the answer is not no, and the answer is not yes. And here's the other thing that's really, really difficult about all this. There are no hard and fast rules. It's just questions we need to ask ourselves before we engage in something. Do we think this is going to help us reach that goal of discipleship? And sometimes the answer is, I'm not sure. Let's try it and see. (laughs) And then you evaluate, and then you say, well, this didn't work. And you don't do it again, right? This is how this works going forward. Simplicity is attractive. It really is. It really is. And we don't want to be Martha's. We don't want to get so distracted as a church. Let's try to put a preschool together and let's try to fill up our calendar with lots of outreach events and let's try to do a, wait a minute, wait a minute, have we forgotten the one thing? The one thing that matters? Which is Jesus and his teachings. All right? This, what we're doing right now, this might not be a big flashy event, But if it's an opportunity to hear some words that Jesus spoke, if it's an opportunity to have that words that Jesus spoke kind of make sense in our culture and and, and what we're going through, that's that's worth doing. That's worth doing. You know, some of our churches get into this whole bait and switch thing. Come on out to our movie night, and then we'll sneak some Jesus in, or whatever it is, right? Come on out to this event. Also, have you heard about Jesus? Listen, I get that. I get that, right? But we want to be careful. This This is what we're offering Listen, what we're offering as a a church, it may not be what people expect, but it is exactly what we all need. We need a Savior. We need to be shown how to make our way through this broken world. We need to be taught here are our boundaries. We need all of that. And I told you in week one of this series, there have been so many things that we have not had as a church And going forward, there will be so many things that we still won't have as a church, even though we have a building. But we've always had Jesus, and we always will. So let's challenge ourselves to err on the side of simplicity, to give people not what they expect, but what they need. And remember, our goal is to make disciples. This is who we are as a church. Don't stop the ideas. Keep them coming, but run them through that filter. Pastor Sean mentioned it's in our bulletin. We're going to have a brainstorming session after worship here at the theater. I think you're at the theater. We're going to talk about ideas. What can we do? How can we better serve our community? Great. And as we go through those ideas, this is what we'll be asking ourselves. Is there a more simple way to do this? Is there a more efficient, more effective way to do this? Is there a way to do this that's less of a burden on our volunteers? Is there a way to do this that would be more attractive to people on the outside? These are the questions we ask ourselves. Because ultimately, our job as a church is not to put on events or put on programming or any of that. Our job is to make disciples. That's what we have been about for the past seven plus years. That's what we will continue to be about. We are in the business of making disciples. Let's pray on that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for where you've brought us as a church. We thank you for the the different phases that we've experienced, the different seasons that we've gone through. We thank you for this season right now, a unique season in the life of a church. A season of preparation, a season of seeking clarity, a season of, of seeking after your will. We thank you for this time, God. Father, we thank you for now and we pray over tomorrow. We pray over the future of this, your church, that we would continue to be about the work of making disciples. Show us, God, 
how we can be more effective, more efficient at making disciples in this community and beyond. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.